Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. The nail in the coffin! All right, welcome to the Nail in the Coffin part of the world-famous Evergreen Podcast Network. It's Thursday night. Trav, how are you, man? You know, doing good, buddy. I'm glad we're finally able to sync up. We've been going back and forth on schedules for a while here. That's right. When uh, you and I were texting yesterday, I was on my way back to the Newark airport to uh, to fly back. Yesterday, I wrapped up my first business trip in, I would say, probably almost a year and a half. Have you had to do any travel work or otherwise at all? Um, since, uh... I flew to uh, I flew to Dallas about a month ago um, for a wedding. It was not for uh, business, but my wife and I both being uh, vaccinated and everything. And one of my dear, dear friends, Mark, was um, getting married and he had pushed it back a year. Mm. assuming okay we'll be in a good spot and he's like yeah i would have pushed another six months if i could have but you know we had to save we had to sort of agree to what they said and to save ourselves a little bit of money and not get fleeced on it so we pushed it back a year and unfortunately it wasn't as clear but so yeah i've done the the post i put post in quotes there post pandemic (laughs) flying and other than wearing the mask honestly it didn't seem like anything was really that different um yeah, I don't like. I don't love having to have the mask on for four hours, five hours at a time while I'm sitting on the plane and walking through the airport. Uh, so anyone out there who has to still go to work and wear one of those, um, all the credit in the world to you. Like that does not seem good, um, and thanks for doing it. But um, yeah, it was seemed relatively normal. And, and honestly, I generally hate airports and dealing with the flying, but it was kind of refreshing to feel sort of normal again. Yeah, that part of it was nice for me, but other than that, I would say I got pretty much the full business travel experience in 36 hours. I, I So I had to fly into Philadelphia and then fly back from Newark because our offices... I've, are, I've done that, actually. Vice yeah. versa. The other, the other order. I flew into okay. Newark and out of Philly. Yeah, you, you take what you can get in terms of nonstop flights involving <laughs> Cleveland at this point. Oh, yeah. So that was kind of what I had to do, and our offices are kind of halfway in between. So it didn't really matter which airport I was in as far as that goes. But um, yeah, flying into Philadelphia yesterday, they relocated the ride sharing uh, pickup area. And something I did not consider was that nobody wants to drive for ride sharing services right now because of the pandemic. So rates are through the roof and the wait for getting somebody to pick you up is forever. Um, so it took me over an hour and three failed rides before Oof. somebody could finally come get me and take me to my hotel. 
and then my credit card got declined because um, it had been so long since I had needed to use a, <laughs> a ride sharing service. And I was out of town that when I went to go update my credit card information, my bank thought like, well, he's There's not. There's no way this is real. Yeah, it's exactly right. So they, they, they flagged it and I had to, you know, go back and forth with them. And then uh, the coup de gras was yesterday, the flight home. I had three screaming kids uh, full throat for the entire uh, uh, duration of the flight, uh, taking turns, blowing out my eardrums. I was trying to listen to something on my headphones. I had the volume up all the way and I still couldn't hear what the people Oh, you got to get the noise so, canceling, man. Yeah, well, I, you got to suck your game up. No, I've, I've got those, but I love my AirPods because I just, they're, you know, they're small. They are the pros. No, no, I didn't. Pros are nice. It's worth I, the upgrade. That's my might, advice to but... you, my friend. But yeah, no, it's it's weird. It's uh, like back when I was traveling a lot for work, I feel like I cursed it all the time. because like, oh, this is a pain in the ass. This sucks. Yeah. And then I went and did it again. I'm like, you know what? I kind of miss this a little bit. Yeah, you know, I, I, I like getting to other cities. It was nice. And you know, I don't know if Newark really hits the mark, but. <laughs> Well, I was really, I mean, where, where our offices are, we're kind of in a suburb that reminds me a little bit of like a, I don't know, almost like a Madison or a, a Concord. Okay. Oh, nice. So, um, yeah. And um, that, I mean, that was fine. It was weird for me is, you know, I was working from home even prior to the pandemic for yeah. well over a year. Sure. So yesterday, I think was probably the first time I was in an actual office setting with cubicles and coworkers in probably almost three years so wow. that was that was like a fun novelty and i was like this is great for a day but you know what i am glad to be home bye <laughs> yeah well, good. Um, glad you got that out of your system and you're that, yeah, scratch that itch that that was that's enough there you i'll go. see you in another three years nice um let me ask you this just to shift gears here and as we actually get into some sports talk i am curious how would you characterize your interest level in the Indians and really baseball in general right now. Okay. So baseball in general, slim to to none. And that's honestly not that different from years past, even when the Indians have been, you know, even in the, after the world series season, when I spent a bunch of, a bunch of money and I know people will quibble with whether that was a bunch of money or not. Um, even after like they went to the world series and they, you know, they were winning 95, hundred games and were great and expected to do big things. I was never all that interested in watching other teams play. I no. would, I would rarely, if ever put on another baseball game um, just to sit down and watch it. Did but, you ever like back in the day when you were a kid? Not really. Okay. Not really. No, I mean, if I was bored and like there was nothing else on and I flipped it to ESPN and they happen to have baseball, on, I might leave it on while I was doing other stuff. But if it wasn't playoff baseball, I was never into watching other teams that I don't care about play. And truthfully, I do that very little in other sports as well. Like I'll watch some NBA because I like LeBron. I'll watch the Lakers every once in a while. Like I watched them last night. I'll watch NFL is obviously a little different because it's once a week and, you know, it's just a different sort of thing. But it feels um, more like an event every week. And, right. To just right. And you just grind. put it on while you're doing the, you know, whatever NFL game is on, you're you're flipping it on and you're watching other stuff or you're yeah. doing other stuff, even if your team's not playing. Um, but baseball, there's so many damn games that like I just I don't really care about other teams. I am still for all the gripes and complaints about 
how good the Indians were going to be at the beginning of the season. They've obviously overachieved a little bit. How much? I don't know. Um, the pitching's obviously really good. The lineup still leaves a little bit to a lot to be desired. But I like the team. I like watching them. I'll still flip them on at night and catch the second half of most games. It's hard for me to watch an entire game because I got a wife who could not care less about a baseball game. <laughs> so I'm usually tuning in around the fifth, sixth, seventh inning after she goes to bed and then I'll watch it while I'm hanging out, having a beer and relaxing around the house. And that, that honestly hasn't changed that much. It's not that different from years past, even though my expectations aren't as, as high, like I'm not expecting them, even if they do somehow manage to, you know, win 90 something games and which they're on pace to do, even if they manage to do that and sneak one of those wild card spots or somehow win the division. Um, and get in the playoffs, I'm not expecting them to be a great team that goes on a huge run. And that, it's funny because I think I look at the Indians very similar to how you look at the Cavs right now. Mm. I don't need them to be great. I don't need them to win every night. I want them to be competitive. I want them to look like they're making strides. And yes, the Indians, I think, have a, a much better chance of winning something significant in the near future compared to the Cavs. But I... I'm okay with them not being, you know, I mean, they've been one of the far and away, one of the best teams in baseball the last five, six, seven years. Right. I'm okay with the expectation that they're not going to be great. Winning 90 games will be a significant achievement if they can do it. Um, And that might be about the peak is getting into the playoffs and, and not doing a whole lot, but I'm okay. I'm kind of okay with it. Um, and honestly, baseball in general and Indians baseball is one of these things that in the summer when it's nice outside and I can crack a window and I'm sitting around at night by myself, I just like to put on baseball and I like to watch the Indians play. Yeah. And just for context, I, I think I'm in pretty similar uh, of a position as you are. I think I probably watched a little bit more non-Indians as a kid. Um, one of my favorite things was, you know, I don't really like the Cubs very much now for obvious reasons, but oh, WGN back in the day, the WGN yeah. come, come home from school. What a value get, prop that was. Oh, it was fantastic. You get those WGN like yeah. weekday afternoon games, Harry Carey and the, the whole nine yards and, you know, the uh, WGN cameramen uh, doing their magic. <laughs> uh, we'll leave that at that. Um and I loved watching baseball Great for tonight. a 12-year-old Tom Valentino. <laughs> Speaking my language. No, but baseball tonight, every night on ESPN, I, I loved watching that. I, I didn't watch a ton of games, uh, you know, out of market. See, I actually, and that's a good call, because I actually liked that. I liked yeah. that aspect of it. I loved seeing what other teams were doing. I loved, like, web gems and all that web stuff. Web gems I liked the and then recap. the screaming ball for the home right, runs at the end of the right. night. And I liked the recap, and every once in a while, like, I can remember flipping over if there was something noteworthy to watch. Yeah. Like, you know, during, obviously, during the McGuire-Sosa years, you'd flip over and watch Cardinals games that you wouldn't otherwise watch, or Cubs games you wouldn't otherwise watch. Sure. Um, and even for Bonds, and, like, and I loved Ken Griffey. I was uh, talking to someone about this the other day. Um, I loved Ken Griffey Jr., even as he had no relation to my team and oftentimes was in direct conflict with the team that I rooted for. Just thought he was the coolest like guy to ever play the game of baseball. And I, I still stand by that. And I, I'm not sure anyone's come close since. I, I will stand by it that his swing 
is one of the most aesthetically pleasing things in all of sports. I, I, I can't disagree with it. I can't disagree fantastic. with it. I was, I, I was so excited when I got to actually go to a game when they were playing against the Reds. And I had seen him before when he was with the Mariners, but it was kind of getting towards the end of his career. Weren't really sure how many more years he had left. Swing was still there, though. Oh, it was, it was still awesome. Little, I, little, obviously a little less pop, not right. quite as quick, and lost a step or two, but that swing was yeah. legendary. So anyway, th- this is all a long-winded way of, of getting to the point of, in recent years, I've been pretty much into the Indians, even if I'm not watching hardly anything non-Indians as far as baseball goes. But this year, and this is nothing against the Indians. I know people are going to grumble about them, you know, trading some guys and cutting payroll and, you know, all the stuff that's been beaten into the ground about the Dolans, blah, blah, blah. This is none of that. I have had a really, really hard time getting interested in baseball, even beyond the Indians, just watching baseball and i've really been wrestling with why and and i think you know i've I've seen a couple conversations online and i saw an article that i think Lindsay adler who covers the yankees for the athletic wrote either last week or the week before and i think there is a general shift in how baseball is played now that it, it there, there there are two roads that have really diverged between success and entertaining. And Pun intended there with the uh, there has been a shift. That's right. Yeah. Well, there's that too. But I'm just thinking more in terms of how um, teams are having their players, you know, approach their at bats at the plate. Yeah. And you know, there's a really heavy emphasis now on the three true outcomes, they call it, you know, home run, strikeout, walk. And teams are fine with a higher number of strikeouts because they want their guys, you know, it's launch angle. It's, you know, trying to, you know. Extra bases, driving runs. Hit, yeah. hit, hitting home hit runs. Power, and, yeah. and, and, and if it if it leads to more strikeouts, fine. And, it you know, you look at the numbers now, the major league batting average is the lowest it's been since 1968 which was the year before they lowered the mound that was like the year of the pitcher so i mean you got to go way back there mlb teams are striking out almost nine times a game that's the highest strikeout rate ever that's been a steady line climbing up um and walks are just below their all-time high and you know the thing is that's leading to Fewer balls put in play, fewer guys, you know, fewer plays on the bases. There's less action. I, I think it was Andre Knott that was talking about this on his podcast a couple weeks ago. You know, between strikeouts, walks, inning changes, pitching changes, you it's entirely conceivable that you could go 20, 25 minutes without seeing a ball put in play. And that is really rough, unless you were like, super hardcore into baseball and you know if you're a casual which frankly i am at this point like that that is not drawing me in as a viewer as a consumer and you know i i think the you know the the problem is you know the data and the advanced statistics and you know that dirty word everybody loves to throw around analytics it is done its all of that's done its job in terms of identifying 
strategies that are, you know, the most effective way to solve the puzzle of maximizing your run output. Um, but it's led to a real homogenization. I, I guess there's your, your, uh, your dollar word for the day hey, of, um, you know, how teams play. And, and this isn't just a, and, you know, it's one of those things where it's like baseball at its base level, it's an entertainment venue. It, you know, it's an entertainment product, but the guys who are managing, the guys who are coaching, the guys who are playing are being paid and, you know, employed based on success. And what is the most successful approach isn't necessarily the most entertaining approach in you know, that ruthless efficiency, I don't think it makes for a very entertaining product. And, you know, we, we can we can go on this in a second, but I, I this is not just a problem in baseball. And it's not really even just a problem in sports. But at least for me right now, in terms of baseball, because that's what's in season, um, that's something I've been struggling with. Yeah, and we've actually, I feel like we've had this conversation before. And... I know back when I was on uh, back when I was on the Facebooks, it would be a common uh, a common refrain from people watching Indians. People would grow like frustrated with guys like Lindor and these guys who were really like constantly just hitting for power, and they'd say, you know, I really want a guy who can like go opposite field and can get like base hits and things like that. And I was like, and at the time, and my my mind hasn't my opinion hasn't changed, but at the time, I, I would respond to these people like okay do you want a guy who is less productive and helps your team win less because right. that's what it does that's what the numbers tell us it does right they're not telling all these guys to to try and elevate the ball and and go for you know try to get extra bases more and and hit more for power than for average they're not telling them that for fun they're telling them that because they know that that increases your chances of winning a game. Right. And so it puts you in a very tough spot where I, I agree with you. Like I love to an extent, I don't love like bunts and like moving guys over and all that. No. Crap. I love, but I love situational hitting and, and guys that, yeah, can hit the ball anywhere. And, you know, if you got a guy on second or third, you know, this guy's going to put the ball in play. Like I love that stuff. Plays at the plate, plays at bases, you know. Um, Those are fun. Yeah. Those are exciting. I like that stuff. And I like, hey, if there's a guy on second, this next guy coming up, I got a feeling he's going to get a hit. I don't like the feeling like, okay, we got a bunt to move the guy over, and then we need to sacrifice. Right, like, right. All this other stuff. And we've – the game has turned into that, and it's, it's hard because, like you said, ownership, managers – even players to an extent they're being rewarded on how much they contribute to their team winning. Right. And so it's hard to go to them and say, we know that this action helps the team more. It's more likely to result in runs produced. And ultimately you win games by scoring runs. It's more likely to, to result in a run produced than the other approach, but it's not quite as fun from a spectator perspective. They're always going to go on the side of the winning. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's, so it's like, how do you really justify the, or, or what's the balance and, and what can baseball do to make it more back to what you said, aesthetically pleasing well, and more entertaining. There's the wrinkle and, and baseball has addressed this. This is, and this is what that ar athletic article that I mentioned earlier got into. 
Major League Baseball this year actually tweaked the baseball to uh, limit home runs or at least reduce them a little bit. And the, the, the premise of this article was Major League Baseball tweaked the baseball and it's had the unintended effect of making pitchers even more dominant. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I read it and I'm like, you know, I think that's the wrong takeaway I think this is absolutely having the intended effect of, of the change because that the problem is I don't think teams have a cha- have uh, responded in how they are approaching at bats uh, from an offensive perspective. You know, you, you look at a team like Minnesota that I think was, you know, a little bit more home run reliant and they went out and spent money this off season. And I think they might have the worst record in baseball right now. You know, and there's a lot of teams that are finding out the hard way that balls that might have been home runs last year are now they're dying on the warning track. And it's, you know, it it ends up making pitchers numbers look better. And until teams also makes Matt Matt Underwood look a lot worse. (laughs) Oh, boy, that's that's (laughs) that that goes back a ways. Um, There was there was one the other day that I was like laughing my ass off watching he was he was like halfway into i i tweeted this out he was halfway into uh he's out of room and he was about 20 feet short of the wall and he went this guy catches it <laughs> the narrator yeah, yeah in fact he did have room he lots did. of room <laughs> he's out of room just kidding no he isn't he yeah. caught it with plenty of room to spare yeah so it's something i think it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on as the season goes on, I mean, we're what 40 or something games into the season. Maybe teams are starting to, you know, get an idea that, Hey, you really can't do it this way anymore. You got to kind of change things up. I, I wonder if that's going to be something that's noticeable the rest of the season. Okay. And, here's a, well, I'll, I'll interrupt and throw this at you. Do you think, do you think it's a bit of an equalizer where, I mean, we can look at the Indians. They're not a very good hitting team. Look at their lineup. I don't care what their record is. Right. Honestly, I, I don't know where they're at in the like um, statistically where they're at in terms of runs scored and batting and all that stuff. They might be higher than I think. I don't know. But do you think it makes it? Excuse me, makes a team like that not makes the gap between them and a team that has a, like a, a strong lineup. Much yeah, smaller. Le- levels the playing field yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, because obviously, and because obviously, the Indians' strength is the pitching, anyways. So helping pitchers and hurting batters is naturally going to help the Indians. But, right. but is that? Do you think that's a factor? And I don't want to say success because they haven't been great. They've been good, not great, but right a factor in their early success this year. That's an interesting theory. I hadn't really thought of it that way. And uh, you know, I think the back end of the rotation, frankly has not been quite as good as not it has been, as been good in recent years. You know. But uh, it's but, it's it's basically been a seven-run game for them. Yeah, the bullpen, the back end of the bullpen has been Karen fantastic. Karinczak and Klasse have been yeah. basically shortened the game. Brian Shaw is even turning back the clock oh, here a yeah. little bit. Who's Unbelievable. Coming? Love um, Brian Shaw. Love B. Shaw. <laughs> yeah. Um, Shout out, B. Shaw. There you go. Fan, fan, friend of the show. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. I'm hoping that I talk it into existence. <laughs> Who's to say no? Um, but no, I was just going to say, though, like I, this is this whole, you know, the impact of data on sports. I mean, I think it's it's a real issue with basketball right now. I mean, you look at shot charts and 
every team, I mean, there used to be, you look 10, 15 years ago, there was a real diversity in styles. I mean, the Suns mm-hmm. were notorious for their seven seconds or less. And then you can go back further to, you know, some of those teams in the Eastern Conference that played bully ball all the time. And, yeah. um, you know, and really, I don't think there's that kind of diversity now between teams. Everybody. No, if either, you can't shoot, if you can't you, shoot at you, a decent you have level, to, you're it's either three pointers or you need to get at the rim. You, you mm-hmm. need to get deep into the paint. And anything in the mid range is is a terrible idea, and you should be ashamed for even thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, like Demar Derozan is an example. Like, great player. Like, if he was ten years older and he started in the league ten years earlier, yeah. like he would have been like a perennial like superstar. But that mid range game that he is so is so good at, and that's kind of all he's good at. Like, he's not really he's not a good three point shooter. He's not a big like get to the rim guys good at it, but he's not great at it. Like his style just doesn't fit in today's NBA. And you're right. Like, and it, again, it, it raises the question, how do you combat or how do you tell a team? Hey, I know this thing gives you a better chance of winning, but this thing is a better product. So do this other thing instead. I think we might actually, I don't know what the answer is, but I do think, at some point in the next couple of years, we're going to see some tweaks to the rules in the NBA to try to level that out a little bit. Cause there's already, so. there's been some talk among some front office people uh, just about that, that, you know, the game's getting tilted too far in one direction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I know some of the things that they've already been talking about is trying to cut down on some of the you know bullshit fouls that have gotten drawn and yeah, the, that. the James Harden, Trey young, Right, yeah, grifting. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's one thing that you might see an immediate change, and hopefully that has a, an effect on improving the product a little bit. But I do think there are other other things that are going to be looked at here in the coming years. Let me ask you this. Between well, – just going back to baseball for a minute, um, have they has baseball made any changes in the last couple years that you feel like have made the game a better product? Um, so I'm not going to count last year, um, because it was weird. Yeah. I guess they kept, I'll be honest, I, I kind of hated it at first, but I, I think the starting a guy in extra innings on second base, I think it's good. I feel a little I dirty for saying like this, it. but I, I kind actually of agree. like it. I hated it at first. I'm like, that's a terrible idea, but I kind of like it. Like I've seen several extra inning games and when that first team like i like the fact that the first team um the home team i guess yeah the home team if if the home team can get out without giving up a run it feels like okay let's go let's get right. it and there's a couple times where they don't get it and you're like well shit we screwed that up and it's like i actually think it's good and i and it I is don't... bizarre that theoretically somebody could throw a perfect game and lose now yeah, I mean they they kind of always could. No, because a perfect game nobody gets on base. But with um, so how could that run score if you threw a perfect game? Well, in this scenario, with starting a runner on second, you know that guy didn't reach base because of anything the pitcher did. They're starting the inning there. At that point, you sacrifice him over to third, sacrifice fly, and he scores. So you just record. You could still end up facing the minimum eh. through t- ten innings okay. and lose okay. one nothing. Um, okay. The, the odds of that fair. ever happening are insanely low. Although, yeah, Pedro you know, Martinez would tell you. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like you know, some of the other changes that I feel like baseball has made, like I hate the three batter minimum. I just I don't think it's actually. I'll be honest with you. I forgot until you asked me that question. I forgot that that was a rule. I don't think I've ever seen it come into play this year. Yeah, I don't. I, don't, I mean, it was one of those things that when it was introduced, I remember we said, "Boy, that's going to work against the Indians because they led the league in one batter." They were pitching appearances. matchups a lot. Yeah, yeah, the, the old ready lefty special. So, um, I don't know necessarily how much that's actually played out that way, but I don't think it's improved game times at all. I'll tell you a rule change that has been worse, and it was a rule change that they undid was the DH in the National League. They had it last year, and it was good, and then they undid it, and they went back to pitchers hitting, and that's a bad rule. Unless it's uh, Shoei Otani, yeah. It's, unless uh... it's Otani, yeah. <laughs> um, or unless it's uh, screwing with Tony LaRusso and he doesn't know the damn rules. Um, <laughs> he knows he the unwritten rules, though. Not what so good on the written rules. What? God, what a clown. I'll be honest. The biggest thing that to me says, hey, the Indians might be able to win this division is the fact that Tony Rose is the manager for the for the White Sox. It is it is so bizarre. He's I still garbage. cannot believe garbage. How but, long but, he was but, out of baseball <laughs> I just that's unbelievable to me. Who thinks that's the direction we need to go? Yeah, let's bring this guy back in. We got this really young team that hits the ball really well and has all these and it's built for the new like, I think the White Sox are a damn good team, honestly. I yeah. think they're built really well to be a, a damn good team for a few years. And they bring in this guy who just has no fucking idea how baseball's played now. Well, it's it's a long season, but so far they are – he has yeah, not been the he anchor. Hasn't, he hasn't sunk the ship yet. Right. <clears throat> we'll see. Um, but to answer your initial question, no, I don't I don't think any have been worse. Um. I, but yeah, like I said, the only one that really jumps out to me is the guy starting on second base and extras. I think that was surprisingly a good change. Yeah. Uh, well, on the topic of changes, the NBA implemented a big one that has we've seen you know go into effect this week. The the play in. I don't know why they're not classifying this as part of the playoffs. I mean, it's it's part of the playoffs. They're seeded like playoff seeds, and yeah, it's, a, it's an elimination. I just call it part of the playoff. I don't think anybody would be offended by that. Well, it this ended is one a, the- uh, so it, it ended a very impressive streak that I saw yesterday. And I don't know if you saw this, if you watched the end of the, um, who did the Spurs lose to Memphis? Yeah. Yes. Spurs, Memphis. They, they showed it at the end of the Spurs um, Grizzlies game. The Spurs had gone 45 years without missing the playoffs two years in a row. Oh my God. Which is just insane. Stat. Wow. Like bananas stat. 45 years. That's they missed it last year, and now technically they missed it this year, um, which I think is fair because now that there's two more teams in there, if you're going to talk this streak, it shouldn't count if you were the 10 or whatever the hell they were. But, um, and I get, so, and, and so I think that's sort of why it, it matters and why they're not counting it. Not that anyone really cares about streaks like that. But. I've got to protect the integrity of the Spurs right. postseason. Right, streak. right, exactly. No, I'll tell you, like, this is one of those things where I, I'm a traditionalist in terms of, like, the 16-team the bracket. And, you know, you've, I've seen these ideas thrown out about um, mixing, just doing, like, a 1 through 16 and getting rid of the conferences. I've hated that idea. Um Probably yeah, in, that idea, so. in part because of the Cavs benefiting because from it was, being yeah. in the East, but yeah, yeah, that's neither here nor there, especially now. Um, 
but I will tell you the the play in I, I like it and it's been fun. It's kind of given a little do or die sense. How much of it did the, you watch? Uh, well, I mean, I, I was in my hotel room on Tuesday night. I watched the second half oh. of the the Celtics Wizards, I think it was. And then uh, last night while I was flying back, my my, my plane had a, a TV. So I was able to catch some of the first game, the Spurs Grizzlies. And then I watched as much of the Lakers and Warriors as I could before I fell asleep. So it's funny you call that out because that actually is the one time I would always watch random baseball games or basketball games. So when I was on the road for work and it's like, and eh, nothing else is on, I'll throw on TNT or, yeah. or whatever, you know? Yeah. Good call out. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was, that was nice. Um, I, I, I tried to hang in as much as I could last night for the late game. I'll tell you, you know, who did stay up and watch that was apparently the rest of America that uh, huge, big huge rating number. for that game last huge night. Number. It it's was, funny yes. because I've been hearing from a lot of guys with like Oakleys and, and red hats that the NBA was dying. <laughs> I, I hate getting into TV rating <laughs> discussions because every single thing is down and it's just the nature of television in general right now. But um, yeah, that that game, the Lakers Warriors had the highest rating for a game on ESPN since the 2019 conference finals, I think I saw. And it peaked between 12:30 a.m. and 1 a.m. So for everybody complain, yes. So for everybody complaining, why are they starting this game at 10 o'clock? I don't think it was that big of a problem. No, um, and I, I mean I did complain because I would have liked to watch it earlier. Yeah. Um, and I was tired. Like I was watching even as the game was getting very interesting. I was tired, and I'm like, God, I wish I could go to bed right now. Um, but. It's also pretty unique circumstances. It's basically yeah. a game. It's not really basically because Golden State's not eliminated, but it was basically a game seven with LeBron and Steph Curry. Sure. In before round one even started. Like there's right. there's no other scenario really where I'm even turning that game on last night. It would have been super fun if that was actually an elimination game and the and the loser didn't have the chance at basically. So I texted you earlier this week. I thought that it was. Right. I did not know the format. I, I could not believe how many people, and you know, you're not watching the NBA religiously, so that's fine. But like, I really only not, pay attention to the Cavs, and the Cavs sure. give me a whole lot to pay attention to. So, right, but like, I, I could not get over the number of people who were uh, in in jobs that should know better, who were openly admitting <laughs> they did not know. Yeah, for the record, the I don't, I don't, was. I don't make money off of my knowledge of the NBA. I'm not right. speaking about sports on a daily basis. Yeah, there, there were. I'm not going to name names, but there were people who, frankly, I think should have kept that under their hat because that's mm-hmm. not a good look. Uh, no names, please. <laughs> I wouldn't expect that <laughs> to. But, um, that would also imply that I was listening to him. Uh, that, you, know, that, you know, that's not, not happening. Not gonna, so. not gonna happen. No, but you know the thing is, yeah, the NBA caught lightning in a bottle a little bit, getting LeBron versus Steph, um, and you know it's already and a great <clears throat> and like what turned out to be a great finish right. to the game, right? And you're not going to get that again next year, so inevitably that rating is not going to be as good for that game next year. And everybody's gonna be like, "Oh, look, it was down." You it's know, down a lot. Yeah, know, another bad faith argument. You, right. you can already pencil it in for next year, but. Yeah. The flip side of that is I think the TNT games even drew 60% better than typical regular season games for them. So 
you know, even if it wasn't doing LeBron versus Steph numbers, it was still doing great business for them. So I would have to imagine I'd be I'd be shocked if this doesn't become the new normal going forward. And and those numbers are good, but like if you look at the if you look at the matchups outside of the Warriors and Lakers, none of those are really like like sexy games. No, not at all. Charlotte, Indiana. That's no one cares about. I would bet that a lot of people don't know anyone that plays in either of those teams, like Washington and Boston. That's good because you got like Russell Westbrook and Beal against like Tatum and Brown. Like that's for people that pay attention to the NBA. That's a good game. But for the casual fan, that's not super inviting. Right. Um, San Antonio and Memphis obviously doesn't bring much. Like, these weren't like sexy, exciting matchups. It's not like there was a ton other than, again, other than the Lakers Warriors game yesterday, which obviously had a ton of stuff going on with it. Um, There wasn't a lot except like, Oh, okay. There's a little bit of a twist here. Does the novelty maybe wear off with that next year? That's something that I think could be valid. Like, "Eh, okay, well, whatever, this is the way they did it. And who knows if I really care about it going forward. And it was the first time they tried this format. So I do think, I, I mean, the TV will probably go down a little bit next year as the novelty of this whole thing wears Even off. Even if you discount the Lakers-Warriors game. Right. Yeah, but I agree with that. I, I would still say I think it still has long-term value because I think it was... The there's not one... many high-stakes game ones. Well, no, but it, there's that. And then the other thing is I think it really improved the stretch run of the regular season, which is something that the NBA has really struggled with for a long time. I've generally hated what the NBA has done to the lottery odds. I think it's terrible. Um, and I'm not just saying that because the Cavs have really gotten screwed the last three years. Um, you know, I, I just, I think it was solving a problem that wasn't necessarily yeah. there. You know, not every team that's bad is also tanking. Some teams are just bad and actually need to have decent odds at getting a, an above average talent in the draft. Um, but what I think the, the whole play-in thing did was it got more teams at the bottom that probably would have packed it in sooner. It got them, uh, it gave them a reason to keep playing to actually make the tournament. And then it had the layer on top of that with those teams in that six, seven, eight range, they're playing to try to avoid falling into that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's quite a few teams in the, that's a good chunk of the league that in other scenarios really wouldn't have a ton of interest to, you know, be playing as hard at that point that now they, they, whether they're just trying to get in period or they're trying to avoid the play in and and get a better seat on top of that. A lot of good reasons all around to, to, you know, be playing hard at the end of the year. Yeah. I do think it maybe made a little more sense. And I still think some of this year was, Obviously, this season was still a little bit wonky, right? Yeah. Like it wasn't it wasn't a traditional season. And they were dangerously close to Memphis getting in ahead of the Warriors, which clearly is not beneficial for the NBA. Um, obviously, it ended up with the Warriors getting the eight seed game ahead of Memphis. But like it gave them sort of a little bit of breathing room to say, OK, these teams that are pretty good and maybe had some unexpected challenges during the regular season sort of got a chance to like to redeem themselves and get back into it. And that's good. Do I, I I guess I'm still a little torn on whether I think it's good long-term, whether I think it's something that should remain and and be sort of a permanent fixture. I'll be honest with you. I don't 
really care that much about how important the end of the regular season is. It just makes the games a little bit more watchable and it gives us something else to talk about besides having, uh, you know, just. I guess from an entertainment time perspective, for the that's fine. Yeah. As you know me and I talk about this, this is sort of a big reason that I am opposed to the playoff and expanding the playoff in college football is I don't really care. And it's because I'm a, a huge college football fan. I don't really care if you make it more appealing to everyone. I right. care that you find the best teams. And so, like, in well, this think, case, it's a little different. Because, yeah, I say with college football, the changes they're making have kind of devalued the regular season, whereas I feel like the change the NBA that's true. is it's making the opposite. That's here true. is actually making the end of the regular season better. That's um, true. NBA but regular also, season, other than, like, Christmas Day and, you know, a handful of games the rest of the year, it, it's it's kind of a rough watch at times. That's true. I And actually, I guess now that you say it, now that I think about it a little bit more, because I didn't put a whole lot of thought into what I think of it. Um, I just sort of went with my gut here. I think maybe the NBA could benefit greatly from having a more consequential regular season. Yeah. Because they haven't. I mean, for a long time. Like, When's the last time like the regular season really legitimately mattered? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, teams need to win enough games, but I mean, look at the Cavs. If the Cavs were a one seed or a four seed or a seven seed, when they have LeBron, for example, if they were a one or a four or a seven, you didn't care. Right. You just wanted to get to the playoffs. Yeah. And that, and I was, I was okay with that at the time because well, that was like the model we had, but maybe it's okay to make the regular season more important. Sure. So it'll be interesting to follow. We'll uh, we'll see where it goes. And frankly, I, I think having that play in is probably going to be the the Cavs' best ticket to playing meaningful games at the end of the regular <laughs> season, at least for next year. Trying to scrap uh, for that ten. We'll uh, we'll see what happens. I I've got thoughts, but we'll save that for another. Oh, you time. got thoughts? You got takes? Got Are they hot? Hot takes? Baby. Are they hot? Pew pew pew. Give yeah. it to me. <laughs> no. finger guns. Love it. No. Love it. Um. All right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Anyways. Let's, uh, let's uh, yeah, let's let's shift to uh, the Brown schedule as we're talking about regular season schedules. The Brown schedule has come out and, you, you know, hats off to the NFL for finding yet another way to dominate the the sports headlines and airwaves uh, in a completely what should be a completely irrelevant, completely month irrelevant. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, the, the three or four days leading up to that uh, schedule release, I was scouring all the forums and in all the looking for the leaks looking for leaks yep and uh yeah they, they got my interest peaked you I know mean, my that's... favorite um i did see one leak and it was by far my favorite one and it was um it had i think four weeks of browns games um the one was the first round by in the playoffs the second was hope hosting the uh divisional round the third was hosting the championship and the third was winning the super bowl so ah, i was very cool with that leak i was i leak. was on board with it i was on board with it good leak let's let's uh let's follow that guy he's uh <laughs> 
good. He's a good guy. Yeah, yeah that guy, he's right. he's a good guy. So what um, uh, what games are you fired up for on this slate here? Um, I'll be honest. My initial instinct was that the Chiefs game was kind of a dick move. <laughs> a completely reinvented defense for a very good team, but I also get why they did it. Yeah, and the and the more I think about it, the more I'm like, okay, get that game out of the way. Like if they if they win it, great. If they lose it, okay, you can explain it away and you can build on it. And they get to bounce back against Houston. They did them a favor by giving them Houston in week two. So right. so you can bounce back the following week at home against Houston and um and you're all good. So I, I sort of dialed back my disdain around that specific aspect of it. The part that's weird, and they did the Browns a huge favor here, and obviously everyone sort of talked about this ad nauseum. I don't know if this has ever happened before, but have we ever played the same team two games in a row? That's, I don't think the Browns have, but I think that has happened at least one other time. Um, and the NFL fact that history. we play Ravens, have a week off, and then play them again while they have to play the Steelers in the middle is okay. sucks for the Ravens, but fuck them. What do I care? <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I don't know. Other than that, honestly, nothing really. I do think it was weird. Sorry, I know you keep like jumping in and I'm no, I no, just go keep ahead. going, but I think it kind of stinks. It feels like the premier opponents and the premier like prime games that would be prime time or would be a candidate for prime time or will be a big sort of game that people are watching are all on the road. It yeah. seems like. So interesting that you mentioned that. The, the, I had a couple takeaways from looking at this. The first one is that one way or another, it seems like the Browns are going to be playing Aaron Rodgers in a very high profile game. Um, cause they're scheduled to play the Packers on Christmas day. And that's a, if it's not prime time, it's at least a full national game. That's one of the signature games of the year for the NFL. And, um, if he happens to get traded, all signs are that it would be to Denver who the Browns get in their one home primetime game in the middle of the season. So it seems like Browns versus Aaron Rodgers in a high profile spot is going to happen one way or the other. And the other thing that I came away from with this is that the NFL schedule makers have a lot of respect for the Browns because they put them in that week one game against the chiefs. That's a, that's a very high profile 425. Now the 405 games are just your typical regional games. They get sent to the, you know, markets of the competing teams and, you know, other ones to kind of, you know, fill in the map or whatever. But the if you see a game at 425, it's typically like, you know, the biggest game of the afternoon. So to get that in week one against the Chiefs, that's a really big deal. And then, you know, you the other ones that we're looking at, those are, you know, you got the Broncos game in week seven. And then after that, that Sunday night football game isn't until Thanksgiving weekend. The... Uh, the Packers game isn't until Christmas Day, and then the Monday Nighter isn't until the second to last week of the season. Now, Monday Night Football is going to have flex scheduling, I think, starting next year, maybe the week, maybe the year after. It might be twenty three, but for now, there, there's no flex scheduling for Monday Night. So, if you're putting a team on Monday Night that late in the year, um, that you're both you know, you're locked into it. You, you are, and, you know, you're showing some confidence. And, you know, I, th I think the NFL knew that 
an Aaron Rodgers trade is possible because if you look at it with the way that the schedule was set up, the Broncos could very easily, if, if they end up getting him in June, because I think with salary cap stuff, that is when it would happen if it does, um, it would be very easily easy to slot them into some high-profile slots. Like, they're also playing at 425 on the first week of the season over on Fox. And right now that's like, cause like both networks, the first week have a doubleheader for the first time that that didn't used to be the thing, but with the extra week of the season, now that happens. So that was going to be Fox's like alternate game, but they could really easily make the Broncos like their a game that day. And there's a bunch of other instances of that. So um, the long and short of it is, you know, putting the Browns in most of their primetime appearances later in the year um, really shows that, you know, you're not, you really think they're going to still be there and they're going to be a contending team. They're going to be a good team because if you don't have a lot of confidence that you want to kind of give them a shot, you're going to put their primetime game on early in the year before the wheels fall off. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I think and the other thing that sort of jumped out at me, and we knew their opponents for a while, so this wasn't a new revelation, but there's not, there's not a whole lot of like gimmies on their schedule. And when I looked at it, I'm like, okay, Houston's Houston should be a lock. There's a couple others that should be like pretty comfortable. They should be the favorite and they should be the better team. But there's not a lot that are like, for no offense to the Browns, but in the years past, like the Browns on other teams' schedules, right? And, yeah. you know, when other teams would see the Browns, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a win. And they were right nine times out of 10. And there aren't many of those on the Browns' schedule. And as I started to think about it, there's not many of those in the league at all. I feel like right now the league is even the worst. There's a couple teams that are really bad, but there's not many. Right. There's not many teams where you're like, yeah, this is a comfortable win. Yeah, I mean, most of the, even most of the bad teams right now have got interesting guys or at least promising uh, quarterbacks, you know, coming up quarterback prospects. Anyway, I mean, yeah. you, you know, you look yeah. at, you know, you look at the. I mean, you keep kind of referencing Houston as as a win, but I mean, if Deshaun Watson's playing that's true. In that yeah, game, Deshaun Watson's a stud. Like, I I, yeah. I can't. <laughs> that's not. It's not a gimme. I don't know. They're no. being. I, I guess I only say that because I think that I think according to Vegas, they're one of like two or three like lowest win total teams in the league. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. Exactly my point. Like, we could be seeing they, Justin if, Fields in Week Three. I mean, right, right, uh, exactly. And if and the Bears are a solid team. They're trying out Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. I hope they're still trotting out Andy Dolphin by week three. Or Andy, 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 Andy Dolphin. Dolphin. Andy Dolphin. <laughs> Andy Dolphin, because he's going to be uh, he's going to be swimming with the fishes. Hey, oh, <laughs> nailed it, nailed it. There um, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, it's weird because I mean, they're not like yeah, Houston. Their their win total is really low. I think it's amongst amongst the lowest in the NFL. But if Deshaun Watson came out and just lit you up. It wouldn't stun you. Right. It would frustrate you. You'd be a little annoyed by it. You'd be like, yeah, it doesn't have shit else around him. But you'd also be like, okay, it's Deshaun Watson. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, There's only a couple teams where you look at and you're like, yeah, if we lost to them, I'm going to be real stunned. In general, the slate of quarterbacks the Browns have to face this year is really good, I think. It's brutal. Yeah, it's pretty tough. Deshaun Watson, you know, you could be seeing Justin Fields in week three. Um 
I guess Kirk Cousins isn't particularly exciting with the Vikings. But he's also not a gimme. That's the thing. Like, yeah, he's, he's one of the worst quarterbacks they'll play, but he's won a lot of games. He's Herbert stepped up with, a lot. with the Chargers, Kyler Murray, um, whoever the Broncos put out there, <laughs> we get Big Ben. <laughs> Joe Burrow's exciting. He should be. You oh, know. yeah. Side note, there are a few things in the world that I enjoy right now more than the Steelers hanging this season on Big Ben. Yeah, good luck. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I didn't have many draft takes, but um, their approach to the offensive line was head scratching. Mm. I'm not Mel Kiper, but um, oh, I think it was. I was. I was cackling. I was not scratching my head. Yeah, I was laughing wholeheartedly. Yeah, so it'll be fun. I'm. I'm definitely. Uh, but not to interrupt from... you. Go Continue. ahead. I was going to say. Okay, so after Arizona, they, you know, um, Kyler Murray, good player, like. Who knows what he could be, but he's, you know, he's shown a lot of promise, could be a really good player. Denver, that's the one where if they don't get Rodgers, that should definitely be a win because Drew Locke sucks. I don't care what anybody says. He sucks. There, and, and it's one of the things I looked at, like, there's not a ton of teams in the league that don't feel like they have their quarterback. Pittsburgh, I don't know that they're convinced. I don't know how confident they are with Roethlisberger. Um who knows, right? That's probably yeah. one of the bigger question marks on their schedule. Cincinnati, Joe Burrow seems like the real deal. Seems like he's a guy that's going to be good for a long time for them. Whether he'll be, you know, up for it by that point, because it'll still only be what his 10th, 11th, 12th game, who knows. But they look like a drastically improved team. I think they should have gone Penny Sewell in the draft, but Jamar Chase can be a great player for him. So they look like they'll be good. The Patriots are another one. We're traveling to Foxborough. Cam Newton, really? Is it going to be Cam Newton or is it going to be Mac Jones? I'm not worried about either one of them. No. Um, the Lions. I'm interested. Not- to, I, I will be interested to see what Cam looks like this year because I feel like he it, looks like he hit that wall, like guys well, hit where his arms just gone. Well, no. Here, here's why I say that though. I feel like early in the season last year, he had a few games where he looked awesome. What was the the uh, where did they play? Was it Seattle? Where they it was a Sunday night game when I, I feel like he played really well and it was some sort of a primetime game where I thought he really balled out, but then he got COVID in the middle of the year and he never really looked right when he came back after that. And I just kinda wonder if now you give him an off season to hopefully get healthy, if maybe he's got a little bit left in the tank, maybe he has a little bit of a resurgence or, you know, maybe maybe, maybe that's it for him. We'll see. Maybe. It could be. It'll all come down to whether he can still throw the ball or not, ultimately. Right. Um then they play Detroit, which uh, I think Detroit's one of the worst teams in the league. That's probably, I guess now that I look at that's probably the biggest gimme on their schedule because they downgraded at quarterback. I don't know that they really got that much better anywhere. I personally think they should have drafted Fields. He shouldn't have slipped past them. But um, like Jared Goff's, he was okay with L.A. Um, he's not in L.A. anymore. He doesn't have Sean McVay anymore. Um, he's a significant downgrade from Matt Stafford. Um, so I don't know what they're doing. Honestly, yeah. they they might be one of those teams that's trying to tank next year. Um, and then they hit the, the at Baltimore off post Baltimore stretch, which will be really interesting. I do think that that third, that, that second game between the two of them becomes a must win for the team that lost the first one. Might be. I think if, if the Browns lose that first game, or if the Ravens, whichever one loses that first game, needs to win the second one, or 
they're they become they're obviously not going to win the division at that point and they're going to be in trouble of making the playoffs so i think that that second game luckily the browns get it at home i think that's going to be as high stakes a game as as we've seen in in quite some time i mean we had the the Steelers game last year, I think, was in Pittsburgh, though, right? The Which? second Steelers game? The second one? Well, it, it, the second regular season game the was, second at, one. was at home because that was okay. the Okay, that, that was, was the one that I needed to win. That was the one yeah. that I needed to win. Okay, yeah, yeah, so that one was at home. Sorry, I thought that one was and then on the, the then the playoff game was the third was game obviously of the season. At that was, that yeah, was yeah, at yeah. Pittsburgh, yeah. Um, but So I think that's that little stretch of those two games, and it's weird. Like it's really weird. I don't know why they did it that way. I feel like I feel like it's one of those things they put the schedule together and then looked at the end. They're like, "Ah, shit. Well, fuck it. We're not going to go back and change it now. It's like we're done. <laughs> Whatever. Just let them do it." <laughs> um, Vegas should be a decent game. They should be the better team. There's a lot of teams you, a lot of games you look at and you're like, okay, they should be the better team, but it's not a, a pushover, and that's the way the NFL is supposed to be. That Vegas game, by the way, that's another one that could go to primetime because that you right think? now. Well, I don't think. I don't think. No, Vegas because is in it that's. At that point. Well, no, that's the thing. Like that's they're, they're, that week they earmarked I think four or five games that a few of them are going to get pulled from Sunday and made uh, those Saturday NFL Network exclusive uh, national games. Remember uh, a few years ago. Baker's rookie year when they had that Saturday night game against the Broncos at, at mile high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We at, watched it at, uh, at Rolos. Yeah. Yeah. We watched it at Rolos. Um, that was one of those. And because that was the game that had the most playoff implications, they put that on Saturday night primetime. This is one of those games that's uh, in the mix to get that for, for that slot there. You think so? Okay. Well, no, I, I mean, it is. They, they, no, they, I don't know. I, I'll be honest. I don't, I don't see the, Maybe I'm, I'm, at the maybe I'm more like, down on the Raiders. I think the Raiders. Yeah, are I mean the Raiders are point. both teams are going to have to be in the mix, but um, they they have they they picked a pool of five games I think to okay. pick from to uh, to make national to and, give themselves some they, options, and they've okay. listed those those five games as TBD, and the and the Browns Raiders is one of them. So okay, interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean then they finish at Green Bay on Christmas Day at Pittsburgh and host Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. So. We ran through the whole thing, right? And we there's not that many gimmies. And it's it's good because I mean, it means it's, that there's a lot of parity in the league. That is I the National Football League. Oh yes, thank you for telling me. I forgot what the letters stood for. <laughs> um and it's weird because we've always I feel like even last year, I looked at the Browns schedule, even when I thought they were gonna be good. Like I don't know if I thought they were gonna be as good as they were. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I thought they would win 11 games, but I thought they'd be around nine or 10 and be really competitive in most games. Yeah. I looked at their schedule and I told myself, okay, which ones do I feel like they have a really good chance of winning? And then I would look and be like, okay, there's a couple. That's going to be really tough. That game, I don't know if they can win. There's not a lot of games on the schedule where I look at it, I'm like, okay, they have a great chance of winning it. Or I, I shouldn't say that actually, because I think they have a great chance of winning every game. And that's sort of the point I'm getting at. Like there's no games that are pushovers. They're going to be easy, but I don't know that if you look at the teams that have been great, like the Patriots, well, the Patriots played in that garbage division, so they're maybe not a great example, but like the Chiefs, even last year, they were coming off a Super Bowl win. They probably looked at their schedule and said, okay, most of these games are going to be good games. Yeah. A few will be a much better team and we should win them. Um, But it's when the expectations are higher, 
I think you look a little more critically and maybe you're a little less optimistic into every game. While with the Browns prior, I was looking for which games might be a win. Now I'm looking for which games might be tricky and might they lose. It's a very different mindset now. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And I think talent-wise, roster-wise, the way that the team is built, I think they're as good as anybody. Um, But it's going to be about putting it together on the field. Obviously, big changes on the defensive side and all this stuff, but it's exciting. It's fun. Like, it's nice to look at it this way as opposed to the way we've looked at it for so long. And... And I have no complaints. Like, I don't, yeah, maybe the schedule isn't great because our primetime games are, are on the road most of the time or whatever. But you know what? I feel like they have a chance to win every game. So I'm not going to complain that much. I'm hearing 17 and 0. Um, I believe it's 20 and 0. First 20 and 0 team ever. Mark it down, folks. Let's go. Let's go. You heard it here first. <laughs> Let's go. May 20th, 2021. Cleveland Browns. Let's fucking go. Yeah, finger guns. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It's it's weird. It's really weird because I think because they proved so much last year, it was the first time. And I think last year most people went into the season cautiously optimistic. We've thrown caution to the wind this off season. <laughs> We're everybody's all in and ready. There's to go. nothing measured about There's it. There's no it's... no tempering of expectations whatsoever, no. and that's pretty fucking fun. Honestly, like it's it cool. Is. I like it. It is good. Um, do we want to spend two minutes talking about the Columbus sure. SC? Sure. To, uh, re- the, back to the crew. Sure. I I I I I I was dumbfounded by why they wanted to make this change to begin with. I and let's, actually wasn't. Let's be a hundred percent clear. Neither you nor I are hardcore MLS fans. I know I can exactly. count on zero hands. The number of Columbus crew games I've watched in the last five years. I can, years. I, there is one player on their roster who I can name right now, if I'm being a hundred percent honest, and that's because he was a guest on our show last summer. Um, <laughs> I actually, <clears throat> I could only name one. I didn't realize he got traded to the crew. He did. Um, okay. So, I didn't realize that. So now I can name two. There you uh, go. Yeah. But um, just from a, a pure branding, marketing, sports identity standpoint, I, I can at least feel like I can contribute two cents on that. And, uh, I was really shocked that they tried this considering it's the Haslam's that own the team and they just stepped in the exact same pile of shit with the Browns, uh, about five or six years ago. With those and dog shit uniforms. Had to, well, they had to immediately try to reverse course on that. And I was really surprised that they were able to pull the U-turn on this as quickly as they were. <laughs> so they, they've technically existed as Columbus SC for two games before they were allowed to go back to being called the crew. And they've already changed the logo to, you know, fix the, the flag or whatever. And now it says crew on it again. I still don't think it's particularly great, but. Um, you know, say what you want about that, that team It is one of the showcase for, I think it's one of the most well-known franchises in MLS. It's one of the most recognizable brands in MLS. They're, they're a, uh, founding member of the league and they have a lot of brand equity for better or worse with the crew. 
name. And, you know, there's, there are parallels to that with the Browns and, and their, you know, brand identity here in Cleveland mm-hmm. and, and how well they're known outside of Cleveland, regardless of whether they're good or not. So to kind of pun on that was just really strange to me, especially because when they said that they wanted to do that, they wanted to have a more global brand and appeal to more people outside of Columbus. And to me, if you're trying to become more global, why are you going to focus on the part of your name that is the more geographic specific part of your name? Like, why wouldn't you just go by crew? Yeah. I don't really get the whole logic behind what they decided to go with. What I will say is I found it kind of obnoxious that all these, all the like hardcore crew fans and, and neither one of us are, are part of that, obviously. No. Um, a while back when the Columbus crew were destined to be the Austin crew, and these Save the Crew people, who are hardcore crew fans, God bless them, piped up and did everything in their power to get the crew to stay in Columbus. Ultimately, they were successful. But they were sure. successful because Jimmy Haslam and that group, and I don't honestly, I don't know who else is in this group. I don't think it's just him. But someone stepped up and said, you know what? Okay, we'll put up the money. We'll make that. We'll, you know, we'll do what is necessary to keep to keep this team in Columbus. Those guys stepped up and did that, and they decided, you know, for for all intents and purposes, we think this would be better for this product. We're going to keep this team here, but we're going to change the branding a little bit. We're going to change the name. We're going to shift the logo. All this other crap that ultimately doesn't matter, and all of that, like. No one cared. All these like crew people couldn't care less that not that long ago, this guy was coming in and saving your team. That's true. Like, I, y- I will say, though, let the I, guy do what he wants. Who gives a shit what the team is called? What would the you reaction, have the team because of him? What would the reaction have been if when the Browns returned in 99, they were something else? Because they were the very conscious. So weird. They that, were that was very, so that, that, weird. That group was very the Al Lerner and 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 all those people were very conscientious of the name, the colors, keeping the uniforms exactly the same. I feel like that was more. See, I feel like that was more about not letting the Browns play in Baltimore than it was about keeping the Browns in Cleveland. I think so there if, was, this, if this soccer team was going to become the Austin crew and you know, then I would get all the outrage, but it, it, it I don't know. I just, I feel like you, you should have, and I'm, I'm well, not the one of these guys that... who defends Jimmy Haslam, obviously, but <laughs> I don't, I feel like you should have just given him a little leeway. If they want to try this different logo, who gives a shit? You're still going to call them the crew. That's it's the same fair. thing with like the Indians. Every, no matter what they change the baseball team's name to, everyone's still going to call them the tribe. So what do you give a shit? And they're still not going to go to the games. Exactly. Um, but no, I, I will say I, I, I agree with that. I, but the, the one thing I, I will counter with, though, is the 
the more you hear about the process and the thinking that it was a little clunky it was a little messy sure it, it it was it defied all logic i mean they really almost went out of their way to not involve the most hardcore supporters of the team that you know are theoretically your biggest spenders your best customers and there was one in particular i guess did get a chance to talk to the person who was steering this for the crew and they they you know they laid out for him like this is a bad idea you're going to get a ton of backlash on this and here's why and you know laid out all these reasons and said you're going to lose 8000 season ticket holders if you do this now whether they should lose 8000 season ticket holders for tweaking the name or not that's a different discussion but he the guy and the and the crew was told hey if you do this this is what's going to happen and his response was well, we might lose those 8,000, but what if we get another 15? And it's like, that's, that's the wrong answer to your to yeah, that's diehards. Not that, that's, that's not how it works. No. And, you You're know, lucky you have those 8,000 at all. Right. No one's jumping on board because... I don't know how you think you're going to get 15,000 yeah, more by calling yourself Columbus SC, but... It's um, not the NFL. The, the thinking was just flawed from the get-go. I'm just really surprised that, I guess... MLS plays more fast and loose with their uh, their brand identities than they kind of have to than the NFL, but yeah, that they could pull the plug on something that quickly because normally, I mean, you know, the NFL you change you're stuck your with uniform, it for five years. Five years, you're stuck with those jerseys, yep. which we learned the hard way here. Mm-hmm. Um, the NBA has less restrictive requirements, but I know those things are approved. Uh, at least two years in advance. Like I know that they, their art director that they brought in, I just read an interview last week that he's already designed jerseys for the team for the next two years. I, I'm guessing those are their next two city editions or something. But um, yeah, those those things are way in the pipe are in the pipeline way in advance. So to be able to to just you know slam on the brakes and say, oh yeah, we're not actually going to be Columbus SC after uh, two games is is kind of wild. Yeah, I mean, good on them, and I. I don't know. I, I, yeah, they probably should have fleshed all that out before they announced anything. Right. Um, truth be told, might have been a nice little promotional thing for them. And we're like, hey, if we announce and people hate it, we change back. They'll they'll go buy more shit. New Coke. Uh, <laughs> right. Exactly. Meet the new Coke, same as the old Coke. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know. It's it's one of these things that honestly I don't really care about. I feel like both sides were a little bit irrational um the the crew side with just jumping to it without getting more feedback from the people that love the team and are the ones that you really need to keep supporting them um but at the same time i also feel like the people that were like up in arms and didn't consider it even remotely for a little bit were like these guys just bailed you out and kept your team maybe give them a little bit of like a little bit of leeway to do what they want like Let's be honest. You would love for this to be your team. It's not your team. They paid to keep this team your team. Maybe let them do a little bit of what they want. Throw Maybe the let bone. them put the... Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, is it really that big of a deal? Yeah. I personally didn't think it was. Um, the soccer fans in Columbus had disagreed with me, and they got their way. So, I mean, more power to them. Maybe they've learned, hey, if we just bitch enough, we'll get our way forever. Um, that's going to run out eventually. <laughs> At some point, that won't work. Um but they're batting a thousand so far, so more power to them. There you go. 
Whew. All right, man. We have uh, gone well north of an hour here. I love right? it. I yeah. love it. Yeah, Lots to talk about. Yeah, good, uh, good stuff all around. What do you, uh, what do you say we close up shop? Do it. Take it home. All right. As a reminder, we are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We're on all the other podcast listening platforms that you might like to catch us on. So go find us on there and subscribe to the show if you haven't done that already. Of course, you can also stream us on waitingfornextyear.com. And uh, as a reminder, we are part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And uh, I'd like to say hello to our friends over at Evergreen. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us for this week. So for Travis Shuley, I am Tom Valentino. Spin the nail in the coffin and we will catch you again soon. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!